This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. The New York Red Bulls 2015 season has come to an end. Once again, one goal short of reaching MLS Cup. Uh, still, the Red Bulls took home Supporters Shield, had a fantastic season, and we're going to talk about it tonight. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com, and also on New York Red Bulls streaming radio on TuneIn. I'm Mark Fishkin. I'm joined tonight by Dan Dickinson and Eric Giacometti, and on this edition of Seeing Red, we're going to recap New York's departure from the MLS playoffs one game early after, uh, I guess in 2014 we had the best loss ever. This may be the worst win ever. A one nothing victory over Columbus Crew, which was not enough to deliver them the Eastern Conference Championship. We're going to give our bull and cow for the game. We'll talk about the game, obviously. And then we'll talk to Luis Robles, goalkeeper of the New York Red Bulls, who gives a fantastic interview, as he usually does. And we'll get to some of your last week emails after the team has been eliminated. For the 20th season in a row, New York does not win MLS Cup. And Dan, let's start with you. Uh, We had a great preview show from the press box. Jesse March was confident. And the Columbus crew, frankly, did a masterful job stymieing New York's effort to get a goal early. The goal came really late, and it was too little too late for New York. Yeah, despite the team, you know, being ready to come out of the blocks and and saying that they were ready and Jesse saying he had a great week in training, uh, it it felt like more of the same from that first leg in Columbus. Um, The crew sat back, defended well. Um, I was really impressed with their attack on the transition. I think I, I unfortunately had to miss the other crew game uh, at Red Bull Arena early in the season because I was out of town. But um, they were flowing upfield just effortlessly. And, you know, big stops from Louise kept the team in the match. But that offense didn't really start clicking until about the 80th minute. No, they didn't. And, Eric, when when you look at the stat sheet, I mean, it will certainly be all Red Bulls, 60% possession, out shooting Columbus 17-9. to But when you don't actually need to score a goal in a soccer match, it looks very, very different, doesn't it? Yeah, it was it was pretty shocking to see how, as you mentioned, it wasn't until the very later stages of the match uh, that the offense really got clicking. Uh, knowing for 90 minutes that they needed the two goals, they needed to come out firing. Uh, it was actually the crew that had the better to play for the majority of the first 45. I mean, if not for a, a few really big saves from Luis Robles, that tie could have been over uh, well into the first half. So, it, you know, it, I think, you know, Jesse Marsh maybe got a little bit outcoached by Greg Berhalter. Uh I think they they figured out the Red Bulls, and the one thing that the guys kept saying in the locker room was that they changed up their plan again, and they, they couldn't adapt. They couldn't figure it out. The crew, uh, you know, shape-shifted in, in some ways, I guess you could say, and uh, they were able to, to kind of stymie the Red Bulls' attack on a night where they needed two goals, and they just simply didn't have enough. And, and also, I mean, noted after the game, I mean, Columbus defended with eight through just about all of the match. And as we talked about with Jesse in the press box before the match, uh, New York, and frankly, any team is going to have a trouble breaking down eight guys in the box. It, 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 unless you're shooting from great distance, and then you have some speedy play. I thought Tony Chani, despite his uh, love tap to Mike Grella's head, played a, a, a 
absolute hell of a game. Kamara always dangerous. Uh, Ethan Finley and Justin Merrim uh, played well, and it it looked ugly as a New York supporter, but it was by design in terms of what Columbus was doing. Um, and I'd have to agree, Jesse stuck with his lineup. He did flip-flop the wings uh, in the second half a little bit to try and get something going on Harrison Offal and Waylon uh, Francis, but there was very little success from anyone coming uh, coming in. The middle was completely clogged, and it, I, I believe it wasn't until the, the closing minutes of the first half that New York even had a shot on net. So um, the, the theme since the final whistle is credit to Columbus. And while uh, they were able to change their game, New York was not until it was far too late. So, Dan, I mean, obviously there are lessons to be learned here. And I know Jesse talked about after the game the fact that the crew was really reacting to their very frustrating exit last year at the hands of New England, and that really dictated how they were going to play in the playoffs. Yeah, it's true, and, you know, the the narrative for the crew, at least on the field for most of the season, was, yeah, they've got a great offense, but their their defense is leaky as hell. And I think that, you know, full credit to Greg Berhalter, over the last two months, they've tightened it up as as well as you could. And let's not just, you know, never mind that they pretty much just dominated New York for 180 minutes across the series. But they took a situation where they were down coming into their home leg against Montreal and battled back, dug deep, and and got results there. So they're a strong side. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate on Twitter, you know, were they outplayed? Were they outcoached and any of this? And nobody should take anything away from the crew. They've managed the series tremendously. No, they certainly did, and they are on the ones that are going to be hosting MLS Cup this Sunday and not the New York Red Bulls. And for the second straight season, this team comes up a, a single goal short. And the fact that uh, Anatola Bong comes in, gets the goal, uh, every angle of what Bradley did at the end of the match, Bradley was offside. He was offside, and God forbid if that ball had actually gone in the net and the refs did not call it, there would be nothing but howls, depending on what the end of the um, match and series would have looked like. It's, it's, uh, it's just one more Metro-y ending to another of three straight, frankly, very, very, very strong seasons for New York. Eric, uh, I know you haven't been following this team as long as some and some of our listeners, but uh, it's it's hard not to feel uh, that this will never actually happen for the team. It, it really seems like this is what this team does. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of the that's so Metro curse because, you know, I really don't believe in all that stuff. But to see them come so agonizingly close to forcing that into extra time, it, you just shake your head. I mean, everyone in the press box was standing up thinking that ball's in. I mean, from our vantage point, it, it looked like it was in. And t- to come so close once again, uh, you know, is painful for this fan base that is – you know they've they've waited so long to to grasp onto anything, but uh, for me the the story of the series I think is really in the midfield. Not to to pick on any one or two players because I think the whole team really didn't show up over the two legs, but all season long the strength of this Red Bulls team was that midfield three between Sasha Kleschen, Dax McCarty, and Felipe. That was a, a very strong point of this team, 
and they were just overrun over the two legs between Will Trapp, Federico Higuain, and Tony Chani, who I thought was remarkable on the night. I thought he was physically imposing. I thought he made every good tackle, and he just completely bossed the game. And that that was the difference on the night. I think the, the Red Bulls midfield didn't do enough, and that's why they're going home early. And when you think about the four playoff games that New York played, they honestly didn't look impressive in any of them. And a credit to credit to the the two teams who again changed their style of play. Maybe not in the, in the case of DC, they just kind of continued their ugly Benny Ball style of play. But in many ways, DC helped write the game plan for Columbus. Uh, to basically say, this is what you're going to do to frustrate this team, and they were able to get it done. And if there's any silver lining, um, it's that Luis Robles stood on his head, posted three um, shutouts in four games, which is, you can't really ask for anything more. The Red Bulls only conceded twice in four games, um, and yet they're going home. Dan is, I mean, is this an indictment of the playoff system that a team can basically do quote unquote well and yet not wind up in the final? I think anything you do to look at the playoff system in MLS is an indictment of it because, <laughs> you know, there's a question of how much of a home field advantage should the higher seed get. Um, yep. There's questions of whether or not the away goal rule is fair. You know, there is no perfect playoff system, and the the league the league has started to settle a little bit on the playoff format. It's been what three seasons since we had uh, wild cards potentially swapping conferences, and and right. you know the Red Bulls playing against LA in 2012, or no, that was uh, 2011. Sorry. Yeah. And um, you know that there there is no perfect system, and I. The, the mantra that I have to go back to is the rules are the rules and everyone knows them. So if you know how away goals work and you don't right. score any in the first leg, that's on you. And right. you don't get to blame the playoff system for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my only concern coming out of the match, and you know, I, I try to not harp on the officiating because it, it doesn't do anything for me, ultimately. Um, I, I thought uh, Baldomero Toledo had a poor game because he let too much go on either side. Um, it became apparent very early that very little was going to get called. Um, the yellow card, I think, only came out three times, and you know it didn't make sense when it came out for those versus other fouls. And, you know, Columbus very effectively kept wasting time and he would keep verbally warning them and then not actually yes. do anything about it. So, you know, I think he let the game get away from him a bit. And I, you know, credit to Columbus again, it played into their game plan. But, um, you know, that that's my only real um, structural complaint with this playoff series. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And um it was clear that Toledo had no interest in a can really controlling the game and b making a call that was going to uh, tip the series in in either direction. So that's it. It's uh, it's cold and heartless and over. Uh, one game short of the goal, uh, the, it, there had not been a better opportunity for New York to reach or win MLS Cup because the game would have been played at home this Sunday. Instead, it will be the Columbus crew hosting the Portland Timbers in the matchup that the MLS League office has been dying for for months. Uh, Maybe not. But nevertheless, uh, 
whether whether you're going to be watching or not, it, it I'm sure it'll be an entertaining match. Um, why don't we go to Bull and Cow for the game? We're not going to do Bull and Cow for the season during this show. We will be announcing our Bull and Cow for 2015 at the Seeing Red Holiday Party. That's Wednesday, December 9th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Football Factory at Legends on 6 West 33rd Street in Manhattan. If you have Facebook and are following us there, please RSVP to our party. We know we already have 100 Red Bull fans that will be there. The Supporters' Shield will be there. And we will be uh, announcing some show news as well as uh, sharing our Bull and Cow for the year. So let's do Bull and Cow for the game. And let's start with Dan first. Your bowl for New York's one nothing victory that, in essence, eliminated them from the MLS Cup playoffs. First victory ever. Um, it, yep. It's tempting to give it to Anatolia Bong just because he came on and actually did make that difference that you want to substitute to. But I'm going to give it to our very chatty guest tonight, Luis Robles, who really kept this team in the match after that first half and, uh, you know, sa- saved it from being a much quicker night of pain. I like it. Mr. Giacometti, your thoughts? Well, Dan Dan actually uh, picked the, my choice for the night. So uh, if I have to go with someone else, I, I think actually Sean Wright Phillips actually had a pretty nice showing off the bench. I know he didn't get too much action, but I think he was able to help open up the game You know, at a time when the crew were really just bunkering and saying we're going to hold it down and move on to MLS Cup. I thought his movement was incisive. I thought his, his pace brought a little bit extra to the game. So uh, it, it was nice to see him add a little bit extra there in the end of the game. Yes, and uh, however, ag- agreed on, Sean, that he definitely ignited a spark. If you go and watch one of the many clips or gifs of the final goal uh, that went off the post, rather, the final shot that went off the post, Sean, Sean was celebrating and, and not rushing toward the net to help. But yes, I will certainly give you that. And uh, so there, so there. Uh, I, I'm going to give mine to Luis as well, I, I think. Uh, Robles was phenomenal in the series. Again, neither of the goals you could say were his fault. In fact, on the second goal, uh, he was the one that stopped the Mabwadi chance after Mabwadi had dribbled through the entire team uh, to take that on. And and um, you know, three again, three shutouts in four playoff games and kept the match from ending a lot sooner. Let's uh, let's go to Cow, Eric. I, I think you have. Uh, a very interesting selection for your cow of the week. Well, I mean, this one's pretty easy considering there are just there's so many options you could pick. Toledo, he you know didn't have the greatest game. You could pick a litany of players in the Red Bulls roster because they certainly just didn't show up. Uh, but for me, I I might not make a lot of friends with this comment, but the fans on the night leaving at the end of the game when uh, when it looked like it was all but over. If you sit, sit and support this team for 34 games and then the playoffs. You pay your hard-earned money to come into the, to, to see the you know to see this team that you've you've been supporting all year. You can't manage the extra minute and a half, two minutes. Believe me, I understand that it's painful. I understand how much it hurts to watch your team lose so you know excruciatingly like they did. But imagine if that that BWP header goes in. Are they going to be playing extra time in front of what ten thousand people? Can you imagine what may, that would maybe, have been like? Maybe maybe ten thousand. Exactly, and and especially with this team. This team that made such a concerted effort to, you know, mend relationships with the fan base, the way that Luis Robles headed up that, you know, tradition of going over to the fans and, and, you know, giving them a salute at the end of the game. 
you, you couldn't stay around and give them, you know, a, a standing O for the, an incredible season that no one, you know, would have predicted, a supporter shield and all of that. And this is, I should say, this doesn't include the Southward, who I thought were tremendous on the evening. I thought they, you know, brought the noise as they always do. And when I looked, it was, you know, almost completely full at the end of the night. So, but to, it was kind of disheartening to see such an empty stadium in a game that was so close to going to extra time. And it would have been a real shame if that game did end up going to extra time and to see what an empty stadium they were playing in front of. Before I go to Dan, I'll just offer this point. Um, and not, not defending the fans for leaving. Uh, because I believe that the fervent, hardcore fans of this team um, are, frankly, a small group, smaller than the whole. Uh, I believe that this was a game that was played late on Sunday night of Thanksgiving weekend in temperatures that hovered in the low 40s. Um, these were fans that were sitting in the match uh, in the stadium for most of them were there at least an hour before game time as instructed by the team. And we all know the traffic nightmare about getting in and out of Harrison. That said, you know, also throw the notion that New York looked like they were not going to do a thing until they did, right? In, into injury time before the goal was scored. So I, I appreciate it. I was also uh, a little bit baffled. Um, but this has shades of the Miami Heat, right? Fans uh, ducking out before that huge comeback. And I have to imagine there were some people that were frustrated themselves that they left the arena and then they heard uh, whatever fans that were left roar at the goal and then roar again when that ball went off the post. So, But I completely understand. Dan, let's go to you, to your cow of the last match of the season for the Red Bulls. I'm going to give it to the entire attack, which I guess includes most of the midfield. Everybody except the back four um, and, and Louise, because you know the the mission for this match was clear: score at least two goals. Um, that you know, it's a task they've done plenty of times, as we talked about on the pregame show, and they just could not get it done. And I think in the first half they had all of one shot on target, and that's yep. just not good enough for a, a game of that importance. So um, that's my count. Um, this is uh, going to – I agree also that when you simply can't create anything, it makes it a challenge, and obviously there's another team on the field trying to frustrate you. I thought that Matt Miazga had a terrible series. Um, yes, he's played a lot of le- uh, games outside the league. Yes, he is an up-and-coming star and will be the future defensive uh, center back for the U.S. men's national team, I think, for a very long time. But his distribution in this game was absolutely pathetic. Yes, he had lots of opportunity to uh, to handle and manage Kay Kamara. And I, th- I thought, by and large, he did that with the help of Luis Robles behind him. But there were plenty of times where uh, Miazga simply popped the ball up um, to, frankly, no one into space. I'm looking at the Opta chart. Two, four, six, easily 15 times um, did Miazga attempt to to start an attack and really just gave it right back to Columbus. And it speaks to the, the notion of uh, growing and being mature. And yes, Miazga's had a meteoric rise this year, absolutely meteoric, um, but in a game where he needed to be relaxed for New York in order to for New York to generate some offense, it just kind of didn't happen. And um, it's learning experience. And when you're 20, you get learning experiences. So Miazga, yes. Damn. 
Well, all I was going to say, Mark, is I've, I've pulled up the who scored uh, sort of automated match ratings. Yeah. Out of the yeah. four center backs on the field, Miazga actually had the highest player rating. All so, right. well, I'll, I'll let you have it, but... No, that that's fine, and and I I don't have a problem with it. Again, um, too many times for me giving the ball away when New York needed to generate offense was uh, was a challenge. So, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. Who scored? Um, so fans leaving early, entire offense. Matt Miazga, a gaggle, a large herd of cows for you tonight. <laughs> I wish we had a match to preview at the end of our first segment, but we don't, because there are no more matches this season. Why don't we quickly just talk about um, what we're looking to be different and better in 2016 for the club? Obviously, uh, and and quickly, let's just quickly review the litany of accolades that this team uh, had. Supporter Shield, right, and the CCL berth that comes with it. The most goals scored in the league this season. Uh, the goalkeeper of the year, the coach of the year, a positive goal differential on the road, which was the only MLS team to do that, most wins in team history, most home wins in team history, uh, two players on the best 11, and yet coming up one goal short once again. So, uh, Eric, let's start with you. What does this team need to do in 2016 differently to get to MLS Cup, uh, it, it's it's kind of tough to think of it just so quickly after this last season, is, season has ended. Uh, but I, I think, especially with uh, Champions League coming into the fold, I think they need to add a little bit more depth uh, in their attacking core because they really got, if you think about it, they got pretty lucky with the health of Bradley Wright Phillips because he was, you know, he was the guy up front all year, and uh, without him, you know, it, it would have been Anatole Bong who was also, you know, had his injury concerns. So I think they need to, you know, shore up the attack a little bit, uh, maybe add in another, you know, another left back in there because, you know, Roy Miller is going to be out and Kamar Lawrence, yep. as good as he's been, uh, you know, he's going to be having Jamaica duties as he's had this season. And we saw how burnt out he was after a tough summer. So I think depth, uh, as deep as this team was to cope with, you know, injuries and call-ups, I think depth is a concern that, you know, any any sporting director will want to address in the offseason. Dan, your thoughts? Um, just in terms of raw roster, I too am looking at the defense. Um, you know, I think they there probably needs to be another center back replacing Ronald Zubar. Uh, no offense to Mr. Zubar, but um, you know he he hasn't really paid off for the size of his contract. Um, yeah. He's had some good games. I'm not as down on him as uh, our friend Steve Jolly is, but uh, you know it, it wasn't there. And you know, hopefully, Damian Perinell comes back to full health during the off season and is ready to go at the start of the season. But you know, you, you need a a third quality option. I think Carl we met's good depth at this point. Um, I think Kamar still, still a young player. Yeah, we yeah definitely. I think uh, Eric's right that there needs to be depth at left back, and while Chris Duval should, you know, be back to full health, um, team also needs to look at, at right back because this was a team playing a system that required the fullbacks to get forward and be incisive, and you know, take nothing away from Sal or Chris or Connor, but they all had games that were generally average and nothing really as stunning as Kamar Lawrence had been at times or, you know, Ambrose Oyongo last year. I, I think the one other thing I really want to see next year um, is the team be able to switch up their style much in the way that Columbus has. You know, the the 
the outcry about whether or not the team was outcoached and why would Jesse stick with the same system when it didn't work in the away leg, I, I can sort of commiserate with because the, it was basically we tried the same thing and got the same result. Um, so it would be nice to see the team be able to switch up either formations or, you know, just general style or anything so it's not not a, a system that can be scouted out and snuffed out so easily. Um, and I think Jesse and Ali know that at this point. Yeah, is it safe to say that when Damian Parnell went down, all hope of New York winning MLS Cup went out the window? I mean, w- when you think about the series uh, and you think about... <laughs> Uh, you know, I was asked uh, by a number of people, you know, wh- where where did this go wrong? Yes, part of it was Columbus's uh, tactics and strategy, but it was also two mistakes made over the span of about 15 seconds that basically ended this series, right? We talk about soccer being a, a game of mistakes, and New York made them, and Columbus really didn't. Eric, did you have thoughts and you have thoughts about you know the general system moving forward? Yeah, I, just to to kind of add on to what Dan was saying there, uh, I, I do think. You know, the system that they implemented obviously worked out to great effect. It, it was good enough to get them the supporter shield over 34 games. Uh, and it's definitely a point of pride to them. If you ask anyone from Jesse onto the players, whether it be Sasha, Dax, Lloyd, anyone who it is, th- they stick by it. And it's a point of pride in the sense that they want to make teams adjust to them, not the other way around. That being said, I do think it's necessary at times because you saw, just as Columbus did, they were able to change and it was a positive for them. They could tailor their game and, and make some little, you know, add some wrinkles to their game that makes them less predictable. And it, it's nice to say we stuck to our guns and we were still able to beat them. But at what point does that become, you know, hitting your head against the wall and looking for different results? You know, I, 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 I don't want to say they were stubborn. It, it's that to an extent. But I do think they need to find, you know, fine tune a little bit of changes here or there that can maybe unlock a defense. And understandably, it's very tough to break down a team when they're just defending in those blocks of four and bunkering in. But I still think that some, you know, little tweaks need to be made. Yep. And and we, we, we know that the personnel will be different. We already know that Dane Richards, who left the team in the middle of the season, and also uh, Roy Miller will not be with the team moving forward. Uh, we know that Matt Miazga will be back. We know that Dax McCarty's option has been picked up by the club. Um, Luis Robles will share his thoughts on next season in the next segment. So obviously there will be a very strong core of players that will be the same, and there will be some interesting seasoning and spice to hopefully make sure that next year the Red Bulls get to the last game of the season. When we are back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to goalkeeper of the New York Red Bulls, and that's Luis Robles. We'll be right back on this season-ending episode of Seeing Red. Stay with us. You're listening to Seeing Red. We're back at Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, back heel, and New York Red Bulls radio at TuneIn, Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson, Eric Giacometti, uh, our guest tonight posted three shutouts in four postseason games for the Red Bulls. He is the MLS Goalkeeper of the Year and a member of the league's best 11, and it's Luis Robles. How are you tonight, sir? I'm all right, Mark. You always, you always say the right things to make me blush. I appreciate that. Oh, shucks. Um, having two days now to decompress and play everything back in your head, how does Sunday feel in, in retrospect? It's crazy. Sunday feels like forever ago. 
there's just been so much going on in the last 48 hours. And you always forget just how much of a whirlwind the end of the season is with uh, saying goodbyes to people and, and then just even going through tense situations with some of your colleagues as they wait upon their fate. And I mean, this business is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. You spend 10 months with people and, and you're on this great run and so much emotion and adrenaline to the playoffs and all of a sudden it's over. And the very next day, there's just a sobering moment that your future now lies in the hands of management. And in the last 48 hours, it's, it, there's just been so much going on that um, whether it's trying to catch up with every single situation, every single uh, person and what's going on with them next year, and then even trying to digest what happened at the end of the year. But if we switch gears to that, Hey, look, we have a lot to be proud of. I think at the end of the game, of course, there's going to be a sense of disappointment because we genuinely felt like we were going to advance, that we were going to find a way to get past Columbus, even though it was a very difficult task, obviously being down 2-0. But the confidence was high. The optimism was there, and, and we felt like we could have kept them at that position going to the 70th minute, 75th minute. We were going to be in a good spot, and we were there. You know, it was 0-0, and, and sure, they had some chances, some close calls, but at the end of the day, we're going into the last 15 minutes in a good spot, and if, if we could have scored a little earlier, then who knows, maybe um, maybe that lasting image of us hitting the post might have been something different. And, and so with that being said, you, you just take a, a moment to reflect at everything that's happened and and it was a lot of fun. 2015 was a lot of fun, not only individually, but with this team. There's so many great characters, so many relationships that have been formed that I think will go beyond just my career, but will transcend time to, to the next stage of our lives. And, and we're grateful for all of it. But with that being said, as soon as we sort of just figure out everything that's going on and the dust settles, I know that the guys, after a couple of weeks of relaxation, are ready to get back to work because there's some unfinished business. Definitely sounds like it. Louise, you, you mentioned uh, sorting out everybody's situation at the end of the year. Can you talk a little bit about what your contract situation looks like with the club? Yeah. I mean, as long as we talk about mine, um, I have no problem talking about that. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just in a situation where I signed in 2013. Um, I, came, I came early on in 2012, came in at the league minimum, and I had the opportunity at the end of 13 to redo my deal and, you know, um, dealing with this organization. You, you just never know. Each organization in MLS is a little different, but they were very gracious in giving me another opportunity to just redo my deal. So we tore that up, and at the beginning of 14, I signed one of these standard MLS contracts, two years guaranteed with two options. So I'm in a situation right now where 2016 is an option and 2017 is an option. They picked up my 2016 option, so at least for 2016, I know that um, I'll be able to put food on the table. That's, that's good to hear. So we'll go back to Sunday real quick. Um, you know, you had five saves on the night. Many of them were pretty spectacular. Going into locker room, at, uh, going into the locker room at halftime, what were your emotions like? What was what was the vibe like among the guys? Well, I think amongst different parts of the team, it was, it was going to vary. Defensively, we felt like we did an okay job. We probably could have done a little better, but at the end of the day, it was 0-0. Zero, zero. 
offensively, we hadn't really created anything, and they were frustrating us because they continued to to play to their tactics or their strategy of dropping back as soon as they lost the ball, and we hadn't quite figured that out. But there still was this sense of optimism that we were going to figure it out, and that wasn't that wasn't just with individuals. It was a collective thing within the locker room because you look at our season and the things that we did, the things that we accomplished, with every single win, there was just this momentum that that built and built and built. And along with that momentum was confidence. Not only confidence in our ability to play the way that Jesse has us going, but the ability, the confidence in one another that we were going to get the job done. That collectively we were going to find a solution. Someone was going to step up and as a team, we we're going to solve the problem or the puzzle that was in front of us. So we're in that situation again with Columbus at halftime. And, and of course, there's going to be frustrations. Of course, there's going to be emotion with the game. That's just part of it. But we still felt like we were in a good position. And now listening to Jesse, just make some sort of adjustment, but also bring a sense of cerebral to the situation or at least a little bit of, um, I don't know, like wisdom to the situation. We're like, okay, you know what? The most important thing for us right now is the next 15 minutes. As long as we don't concede, we're going to have 30 minutes to figure out two goals. And if we can accomplish that, then we, we, we take the next step and we find a goal. And then if once we find that goal, we find the next goal. And, and we were we were in that situation. Unfortunately for us, the goal just came a little bit too late because, I mean, Obviously, scoring an injury time, sure, maybe you get one more good chance. We were, we didn't realize that we'd get such a good chance for Bradley. But if, if we score the goal in the 80th minute, maybe we're talking about a different scenario where now Columbus is going to bunker in. We're just going to be able to, to find a little more opportunities and maybe throw them mentality standpoint in case. But you also have to credit Columbus. They played well. They changed their strategy to counter the way that we play. And they executed pretty well. So when it comes down to where the series was lost, it wasn't necessarily coaching. It wasn't necessarily just individual performance. It was collectively the execution of each team. And Columbus was able to execute just a little bit better than us. Luis, obviously you've you've had some time to let it sink in and, and kind of reassess your emotions, but just talk to us through after the you know, the final whistle, what were you feeling, you know, as it happened, you know, just immediately after it happened? Mentally, I was exhausted. There weren't too many thoughts going through my mind. I, I, I was even to the point of exhaustion where I saw other guys tearing up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I probably feel that way, too. I saw other guys just down and tired, and I was like, oh, yeah, I probably feel that way, too. But from a mental standpoint, I had exhausted my capacity. And could I have done it for one more game? Absolutely. I mean, I could have gone out for the MLS Cup final. That would have been fine. But it's been a long season, and if you look back to where we ended last year around this time, it wasn't as if we went into the off season with uh, without question marks. You know, we still didn't know what this team was going to look like going forward. We still didn't know if Jerry or Tim were going to be back. And even before all of it came down, there still was this unease: who was going to be coaching? You know, what what was going to happen? And I think part of that was just the spillover of the the culture that already existed previously at Red Bull. And for them to go through the beginning of 2015 the way that it did, to go through preseason, learning new tactics with new guys, uh, just this entirely different feel, 
trying to change or at least shift the the thinking and, and the culture and try to make things different. And obviously, they go through the season, 34 games, three games of the U.S. Open Cup, four games of the playoffs, is a lot of games. So I think at that moment when it was all done, was I disappointed? Absolutely. But more than anything, I, I was mentally exhausted. And so, Luis, you talked about all the transition from 2014 to 2015. As you go into 2016, it seems, well, well, it certainly seems to be the case that, that continuity will be the thing. And listening to Ali during his end-of-season press conference talked about continuity breeds success. Talk to us about having that continuity, knowing Jesse's style. As you said, we don't know the entire, obviously, makeup of the team from this year to next. We know you'll be back. We know a lot of core players will be back. With the transition, you guys got once again within one goal of MLS Cup. What is continuity going to do for the club moving into 2016? I'm hoping that it's going to allow us to get over the last hurdle. I think a good example is the 2013. So that night, I mean, I didn't, I didn't sleep much at all. Even when I finally fell asleep, it wasn't a nice, deep sleep. It was just kind of in and out. And what I was doing is I was going through some of the history of MLS, and I wanted to see teams, you know, how they fared before they won the championship, and one that really stuck out because it was most recent is uh, the 2013 MLS Cup champion, which is Sporting Kansas City. You look in 2011 where they had that heartbreak in the playoffs, 2012, the same heartbreak to the Houston Houston Dynamo, and then they were able to get over that hurdle in 2013, winning shootout. So we all felt like, and all of a sudden you start to think, okay, maybe this this is something that we could that we can mimic. And, and then even look at our opponent, Columbus Crew. That this is a process they started a couple of years ago. They added a great piece at the beginning of the year with Kai Kumar, and, and even a couple other guys mid-season. But there's just this idea in MLS that if you don't find any sort of consistency, and you don't have a foundation that goes a little deeper and it goes wider, it's tough to win. And I think the 2013 champion is a great blueprint. With that being said, I already think Ali is is steps ahead of us, and, and he thought about this. And being in the front office, he's been exposed to to turnover and get, receiving those letters where guys got declined, and seeing teams that somehow find found a solution to keep teams together to go for a run. Um, and, and then even look before that with RSL. So there's there's been some great precedents that you could look upon draw certain things from and be like, you know what, if we can mimic some of this, maybe we can also emulate the same sort of success. And I think that's where we're headed. A lot of the guys that were on the field and played nine minutes will be back next year. Next year, we won't have to learn a completely new system. If anything, we're going to be refining it. We may even be adding another layer of sophistication. And then with this offseason, Ali is going to be able to look at the drawing board, him and Jesse, and, and even find some areas where they feel like they could strengthen, whether it's just with a deputy position or even even push him to be a starter. So I think there's a lot of optimism in the locker room and in the organization for 2016. Luis, you talked a little earlier about the guys getting getting some time to relax and decompress. What What is your offseason going to look like? you uh have any vacations <laughs> planned? Do uh, anything specific? My decompress is going to be completely different than any other year. In a sense <laughs> that, um, yes, physically I'll be able to decompress, but that that mental exhaustion is going to be a little sort of 
it's going to be a different sort of exhaustion. Because even today, like, you know, my, my wife gave me a kid for a few hours, and oh my, my son, he's three, and he just he just talks and talks and talks. He asks questions all the time. My daughter's one, and she's walking now, so she wants to walk everywhere. But even her, with her little voice, that's not communicating in words, at least in her own language, she's communicating. But she has demands, and and oh man, this is what I was saying. Like at the end of today, my wife and I would just sat there. We didn't even have to say anything to each other. We got the kids into bed early, and we're just like, let's just let's just be, you know, <laughs> let's not do anything. Let's not turn on the TV. Let's just be. And I think the all season is going to be a lot like that. So with that being said, that sort of chaos and that madness, we love it. We absolutely love it to the point that we're crazy enough that maybe we had a third. Oh, boy. You know, if you have a third, then they outnumber you, and then uh, all bets are off. So, Well, if we have a third and they outnumber us and there's more mayhem, you know what? We're not type A people. We'll give up. We'll throw them in the They can parent themselves, I guess. All right, Luis, just shifting it back to soccer for a second. I know, obviously, that you know the loss is pretty painful, but can you even bring yourself to watch MLS Cup? And, and if you are going to watch it, do you do you have a favorite in that one? I I don't know. I, I've already thought about that. Um, yeah, I, I like Greg. I, I came across Greg when we were in Germany, and he was very supportive of me early on. We would text often, and even when he was in Hammerby, he explored the option of bringing me over there. So now I even live in his where he grew up. We bought a house here in his old neck of the woods, and I mean we've always sort of just had a, a, a good relationship because of Germany, and and I'd like to see him win, but but at the same time, and that means like Columbus is the toast of the league, and that just kills me. It just kills me. So I I didn't watch most of last year. I think I had it on, but I didn't really pay attention. It's just one of those things where when you see it, it it, it eats at you. So it's on Sunday, right? I don't even have plans on Sunday. I'm not entirely sure. I just know that it's amazing. Once once the offseason kicked off, it's like it's only been 48 hours and it's like the calendar's full. I don't even know how that happens. But um, I know that I will be at the – I believe it's the Viking Army. I'm pretty Viking Army meets is it Katas? Yes, that's that. Am I right? Yeah, so we meet at Katas. Yep. I know I'll be going to that. And I can't remember which night that is. Someone remind me, do you guys know? I don't I think it's the thirteenth, I wanna say. Does that sound right? Is it? It's not I know this I'm Sunday. Going to that. So that that's on the that's on the docket. And then we also have some season ticket holder thing next week. So there's still gonna be Moments where I'm, I'm back at Red Bull Arena, and I don't think I'm going to train for at least a couple of weeks. I mean, I've got some some things that are reminding me that they're there each and every moment when I take a step. And I'm hoping that over the next couple of weeks, those will start to subside a little bit, and then I can slowly get back into it. But, I mean, look, uh, the offseason is great, and there's probably going to be a lot of stuff going on. But as soon as I get some time to physically get better, I'm going to be ready to go again. I mean, that's the thing with 2014. We're so close. So there was already this extra motivation to get out there and train for 2015. And now we're just even closer. At least we got a trophy this year. And so we're going to get to participate in Champions League, which, which trust me, we're going to try to win. It's not one of these things where 
okay, great, we get to participate in Kung Fu Cup Champions League. Trust me, our locker room is fully committed, and when we set up our goals for 2016, that is going to be one of them. U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF, MLS Cup. I mean, mark my words, those are things that we're going to go after. All right, so we always close with a big stat, and you, your play has <laughs> allowed us. Part, yeah, your play has allowed us to shower you with accolades, which frankly are all deserved on the field. So here's uh, our accolade and stat to send you off what was a phenomenal season for you and the team. Um, I'm going to say when uh, and not if, but next season, uh, when you reach uh, the 20th match of the season, you will be the all-time appearance leader for goalkeepers for the franchise. You already have wins and shutouts and goals against uh, for for frequent for the top number of goalies, but you will be you will really that'll be it, Luis. We'll have nothing else to say. So let's just plan on that date. It's going to be like I don't know March, April, May, June. Yeah, it's going to be like July, and we'll uh, we'll have you on and celebrate. And then there won't be anything else to say. We'll just say Luis Robles wears number thirty-one <laughs> for the New York Red Bulls. Luis, thank you That's so all you much. Have to say. Perfect. That's Perfect. all we have to say. Uh, thank yeah. you so Man, much. For, good uh, thing I'm not superstitious. I'm mean, like if I was to resist, I feel like it bugged me by saying that. But um, you know, lately I've been going on these things where I get to engage with with youth and, and I get to speak and ask some questions. And every time I go up there, for whatever reason, the person I want to introduce me just goes to my Wikipedia page, <laughs> copies, pastes, prints, and then feels the need to read it. And so now, recently, when I go, I actually have another one on Saturday where I get to meet some kids in New York City and. You know, honestly, I love these. It, it's it's one of the best opportunities to just engage with kids and say, you know what, being a professional athlete is awesome. It really is. Like being a pro soccer player, going on the on the field and and living out that dream is incredible. And there's certain things that you have to sacrifice. There's certain things that are important in your journey that if you can find a way to navigate, you know, who knows? Maybe you're going to replace me someday. So, anyways, what I'm getting at is. And not only do I love to do those things, but now I tell the person, just introduce me as Luis Robles, goalkeeper for the New York Cardinals. Nothing else. <laughs> don't don't add any stats. Don't add any like awards. Just simple. In this case, is great. So now I get to pass it on to you, Mark. So hopefully it go. all works out, just like you said. And then you can just be like, you know what, guys, we have Luis Robles, goalkeeper, and I'll be very content with that. We've been speaking to Luis Robles, goalkeeper. Luis, thank you so much for everything this season. Enjoy the time off. Enjoy the fan interaction. Have a great holiday and a safe and happy new year, and we will speak to you in 2016. Same to you guys. Enjoy. Happy holidays, and thanks for having me. When we're back on Seeing Red, your final emails of the season. We're Seeing Red. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red. Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, back heel, Red Bull Streaming Radio on TuneIn. Third segment is all about you. Send us emails, seeingredny at gmail.com. One more plug for the Seeing Red holiday party, Wednesday, December 9th at 6 o'clock at Legends. You do have to be 21, but you don't have to RSVP. You can just come on by. Lots of Red Bulls fans, the Supporter Shield. And hopefully some Red Bulls players will be joining us 
to celebrate really a phenomenal, phenomenal season. History of the club, most points ever, and uh, as as per Nicola Curricula, a little bit short. <laughs> and Mark, possibly a complete Voltron. Possibly a complete Voltron will be uh, will be in effect. We'll see. There are lots of things that have to break different ways, but this may be a super mega Voltron at the Singer. It's the stuff party. of myths. It's the stuff of legend. Ed Kerwan, Bloomfield, New Jersey, writes, Missed chances. All season we had a team that applied the pressure. However, once the playoff rolled around, it was our team who couldn't handle the pressure yet again. Three out of the last four seasons when the Red Bulls could have played at home for leg two of a series, they knew that they would host MLS Cup if they won out. 2012, because of the snow delay, we knew we had the best record remaining if we beat D.C., 2013 and 15, we were the Shield winners, and in all three, we couldn't even make it to host the final. Yes, the team won another Shield and is showing better actually winning playoff series. However, you have to think chances to host MLS Cup will not be coming around the corner every year or every other year like they are now. The sporting landscape is littered with these types of teams with sustained great regular seasons year after year who can't win the big ones, and then their window closes. You can't keep squandering all these opportunities, who knows if they will ever come around again. There was a great uh, tweet by one of our followers who said, at the end of 2014, it felt like uh, an end of this, uh, it felt like the end. At the end of the 2015 season, though, it feels like a beginning. Um, your thoughts on uh, just being one of those good teams that get close and never make it? Eric, can we start with you? Yeah, it's always tough. I mean, I, I've seen people talk about the fact that winning the Supporters' Shield is almost like a detriment or a curse because it's so hard to mm. to do the double mm-hmm. in that sense. But at the same time, what are you supposed to do? Just, you know, intentionally, like, kind of suck it up at the end and say, well, at least uh, we got second, so we have a better shot. I mean, no, I joke, but it's it's very difficult to navigate the playoffs. We all know that it, the 34 games, I think, is more indicative of, you know, who the better teams are in MLS but there's, I don't think there's any secret formula to trying to get through that, you know, the sprint that is the MLS Club Cup playoffs. You just have to, you know, keep doing what you're doing and hope that it carries you through those, you know, four or five games until you get to the final. So, uh, unfortunately, they fell short again, and it's very painful again. That seems to be what this team does. But I don't think they need to do much differently. I mean, the fact that they were the best team over the course of 34 games, it means something. They're doing something right. So, you know, it, it just it, it's painful that they fell short, but I don't think too much needs to change in that, in that matter. Dan, your thoughts on coming short yet again? I, I generally get frustrated when we talk about coming short. I, you know, I know MLS Cup is the big thing. And, and it's the, the the one that's most important to win in this league. And I, I get that the team has come up short, but in any other league in the world, and I'm not even playing the Supporters' Shield card here, a successful season is Champions League qualification. Mm-hmm. And the team has done that. And in, in the Red Bull Arena era, which is the only era I personally know, they have topped the Eastern Conference, which under current competition rules is always good enough for a CCL spot, three out of the six seasons. Yeah. If this was an EPL team that happened to just qualify for the Champions League three out of six years, people Phenomenal. would be ecstatic. So, yeah. yes, the team has not won MLS Cup. And, yes, they've come painfully close the last two years and gotten painfully eliminated the three years before that. I get that. I've been there. I've, I've got the mental scars to deal with it. Um, <laughs> but to to act like the only way that, this, that you can count – a campaign as a success 
is if you're lifting MLS Cup at the end of it. I, I just don't buy into that, but I realize that I have weird views on a number of things. Well, I mean, I think it's a question of is it the, the, the journey or the destination? And say what you want, the, the Red Bull fans have been blessed with general regular season success especially in the Red Bull Arena era. And we this season was phenomenal. And, and we've talked about a number of times, you know, the stretch in August when in over three, four weeks, you know, they shut out New York City and Toronto and D.C. at home with dominating performances, dominating performances. That is meaningful and entertaining and fun and enjoyable. And, yes, this team has one goal that they've yet to ascribe to. You know, and we talk about you know getting hot late, right? The teams that gets hot late can do very well. Look at the Portland Timbers. On September 20th, New York went into Portland and totally dominated them and won two nothing with two terrific goals and what should have been the save of the year by Luis Robles. And they leveraged that into an 11 round penalty kick shootout win against Sporting Kansas City and then beat Vancouver and then beat Dallas and they're in the final. And so it, I think it just goes to show that you just never know. You never know. You, you, the goal is to get to the playoffs, and hopefully things work out for you, and you're able to move on and, and grab the big cup at the end. Dan, did you have thoughts on this? Uh, getting hot late is key, and it has been for years with uh, MLS Cup. I mean, look at L.A. last year. L.A. was awful. Of yeah, asleep. Asleep. Yeah, right. and then Landon Donovan announces he's going to retire and goes on this – you know, bender of scoring and, and just free-flowing attack. Robbie Keane lights it up as well, uh, takes the MVP award, and here we are, and they're lifting yep. their third MLS Cup in four years. So getting hot at the end is important, and it's sad that that sort of, you know, leads to this idea that the regular season, especially the beginning of the regular season, doesn't matter when three points at the beginning of the year count just as much as three points at the end. But, um yeah, it, I, I'm somebody who would rather have lots of entertaining games and good performances throughout the year than getting really hung up on, you know, two games of not great form against Columbus. But again, I realize I take well, the outsider view on this. No, uh, you know, and again, I think it all speaks to the Michigas around this team when it comes to its place in the market as well, right? And we always talk about, well, if they actually win, they'll break through. And so, and, and the, 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 the stadium will be full and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have a hot stove episode with Marta Grand Prix and we'll talk about how things are going on season ticket renewals and plans for next year. But at the same time, you know, we know that this team has been lacking in coverage and lacking in attention. And how do you get that? You get that by hosting a championship game in your own stadium and winning it and having that sports center moment. So I understand. I think all points are valid here. Let's move on. Ashke Aurora writes, was this Red Bull season a success? Good evening, Seeing Red Team. To answer your tweet, uh, by all accounts, it was a success. We finished atop the table, and we'll be playing in the CCL next year. Dan, did you write this? That no. alone is a success, and the best of you... I know you didn't. The fact that we did it in a year where most of us thought the team wouldn't finish above Man City Light means it was a resounding success, and I, and I imagine quite a few others, still have a sour taste in our mouth about how Petke's firing went down. There's no doubt in my mind it could have been handled worse. I suppose a firing via Twitter would have been worse. Anyway... The front office did a good job changing things around. Goalkeeper of the year, coach of the year, one inch away from extra time.
time in the conference finals and possibly playing the club at, cup at Red Bull Arena. Two great players on the MLS Best 11. Yes, a very good year and hope we can carry the momentum and try for the cup and CCL next year too. And of course, Luis Robles said the team will absolutely be going for CCL uh, out of the group stage in 2016. For the first time since I started coming to the games in 2010, I'm not let down at the end of the season, and I'm not dreading the offseason. And I'm really looking forward to finally seeing the rumored red jersey, even if it isn't the home or away kit. Thanks to the Seeing Red squad, the guests, guest hosts, Fred Bill's front office for making the show great this past season. Looking forward to starting next season's show slightly differently than this year's. I would say so. Uh, I mean, this is really kind of the complete and utter opposite of uh, the previous email in terms of being optimistic about the year. And, you know, again, th- th- this club is a victim of their own expectation. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, the real question is, what, what, what is your outlook and uh, what you think next year will hold? Eric, you want to take this? Eric seemingly has departed the call. Eric, are you there? Dan, are you there? I think he's suffering from the uh, Dave Martinez. Yes. We're gonna tr- Dan, why don't you give your thoughts as we try to get Eric back? Uh, on, on being a victim of their own success? Or, well, or just uh, you know, just 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 without expectation, the notion of uh, having the season be such a wonderful surprise. Yeah, I I think given you know, I know people are tired of the narrative. I know I'm a little tired of the narrative, but given how it started, I, I don't think there's any way you get to the end of the season and are not pleasantly surprised with how it went. Um, you know, everybody had very low expectations coming into this. And, and I think something in that letter you just read, Mark, um, kind of speaks to this in that, you know, despite the the huge level of turmoil at the, you know, back in January, I, you know, going into this offseason, there, there's not that sense of dread that they're going to blow up the team and they're going to have to rebuild and, you know, the the crazy things are going to happen and granted they still might because it's MLS, but it, it just, it feels finally, at least for the first time in the last few years that, that there's a, a sort of sense of calm and stability around the club. And it may be that Ali, you know, knows to say the right things and that we'll, we'll see what happens when the option list comes out in a couple of days. But, um, you know, there, there is a sense that, it, it might just be okay this time. Yeah, Eric, thoughts on surprises that we might be uh, seeing when that option list comes out? Uh, it, it's kind of tough to say. I mean, Ollie's been very close to the vest with his player moves, uh, not not looking to, to delve too much into it, but you know, as we know, uh, Roy Miller and uh, and Dane Richards will be gone. But it, it's, it's kind of tough to say just who's going to be in and out at this point. Um, you know, it, it, are they going to be looking at maybe signing and trading someone, looking at, you know, player values, maybe like someone like Lloyd Sam? No, this is purely speculation as to where, where he'll be. Uh, but if you look at someone like that who's, you know, on the quote-unquote wrong side of 30, but with a pretty high value, maybe they can use him, leverage him into a move to uh, to maybe make something happen there. But, you know, it, it's, it'll all pan out relatively soon with uh, with these moves coming to come together. A very short email from Jeff O'Connor from Watching, New Jersey, who says, now that the transition year is over, 
Are we back to cup or bust in 2016, Eric? Let's go right back to you. Oh boy, uh, I feel like this will this will kind of never die. But I mean, yes, as we've talked about, yes, the cup is the main goal, and it is will long be the measuring stick for success for not just this team, but just about any team in MLS. Uh, yeah, you you'll feel like this is you know this will be one of the favorites for MLS Cup given. Uh, how successful they were in year one. And, and remember that I, I think what you said earlier uh, in this segment, Mark, about 2014 feeling like the end and 2015 feeling like a new beginning, I think that's important because this is kind of year one of, of feeling out the process. And if they were able to you know, get to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, you know, and that's with you know, a preseason of explaining the new system, getting pieces for the new system, now that everyone kind of understands it, well, how far can they go now? Can they, now they can just kind of build on that. They have a base. So uh, I do think this team... Uh, with its core, if they can keep them together, they will be good enough to win MLS Cup. Will they? <laughs> That's yet to be seen, obviously, and that will still be the measuring stick for success, but I, I, I think they have a good shot. Yeah, I mean, I think when you come this far, and again, the team we talked about in our first segment, um, watching teams take previous playoff defeats and then leveraging that, learning from that, and moving forward. I mean, Dan, I mean, it's always going to be MLS Cup or bust until this team is actually able to do it, right? And even after that, it will still be MLS Cup or bust because just because you won. That's it, why you play. It's, it's that's why they're here. Um, that's why they're here. You know, it, I, I'm I'm sure when it finally happens, it will be very sweet and wonderful and cathartic for everybody. But to act like Expect you know, it'll be well. Now we've won one, so now we need to keep winning them. So that it's a dynasty. It's. Uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> let me on, just huh? say. Say you want a dynasty. Of course I do, but as a New York Rangers fan, for instance, <laughs> who waited until he was twenty something years old to win the Stanley Cup, I can tell you that that kept me going for at least a decade. Absolute, like, yep, totally fine. Or as a New York football Giants fan, still looking at this mediocre team saying, well, we won two Super Bowls in the last decade, so yeah, okay, I'm kind of fine with it. I think if the Red Bulls are actually able to win an MLS Cup, surely they will want a dynasty, but it will be sweet for years and years. Here's our final letter. It's from Red Bull's soccer mom. Chris Award, who writes, Dear Voltron, where is the Red Bulls optimist when we need him? Because it seems like everyone is ready to toss the season out because of two bad games. Yes, the Red Bulls did not play well in either leg against Columbus. As disappointing as this is, there are many things to appreciate about the season, especially when this is compared to where we won the Supporters' Shield in 2013. In both 13 and 15, we had coaches in their first year with the club. In 13, although we had two high-profile DPs, we had 59 points, 58 goals, allowed 41, and had a plus-17 goal differential. For 2015, we scored 60 points, had 62 goals, allowed 43, the lowest in Eastern Conference, and edged out FC Dallas for the Shield by having a better goal differential of plus-19. If we consider 2013 a good season, then we must also call this a good season, too. The numbers for the year don't lie. It was a stellar season. If we repeat it next year, or will we repeat it next year? I'd love it if we could, but honestly, I believe the team will do better. Curtis and Marsh will continue to integrate young and new talent into the lineup. Returning players will be familiar with the system built on their knowledge, and the system itself will be adapted to handle challenges it faced this season. Cough, counterattacks, cough. And we need to stop beating up Jesse Marsh for the Columbus matches. At the first town hall, he asked us to give him one year to prove himself. We well, we ha- we have, and he did. Many thanks for a wonderful season of podcasts. So, 
I mean, I think we have a little, a little bit of running the gamut, but I think generally we have a whole lot of optimism from Red Bulls fans. Uh, yes, for the long grizzled uh, folks who have watched defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat for 20 years, uh, one more year of frustration. As I said to my 11-year-old son, who was despondent after the match, "Come on, we've seen this movie before. We know we know how this all always ends." And uh, all you can do is have hope for yet another year. So that said, uh, Dan, your thoughts on the season as a whole and what you'll take away and put in the memory box uh, from this fantastic MLS season. God, that's a hard one, Mark. Um, I, I, it's Given how the season started, um, I, I had mentally prepared for the worst. I, I remember the night that a uh, friend of the show, Chris Dyer, broke that Petke story, and I, I recall sitting up and sipping some whiskey and trying to make sense of everything on Twitter and just being ready, never mind everything else that's happening in New York soccer this year, just being ready for the absolute worst to come out around this club and to have to have been proven wrong on that. I I have never been so happy to be wrong. Um, it, it's been fun to watch this team. They've had an identity. They've had this chip on their shoulder where, you know, the the personalities are coming out a little bit more in interviews. And, you know, they're, they're a, I don't want to say cocky, but they're certainly uh, believing in themselves. Um, the Hudson River Derbies have been fun to watch. The games with D.C. were fun to watch. Um, lots of memorable results and, you know, some, some more notorious ones. That Orlando game uh, at home is going to stick with me for a while. Um, and just it, it, it was a good season and one that I will probably not let go of for a long time. Eric, what do you take away as, uh, as we kind of lower the curtain on a, a superlative season for the club? Yeah. I think Dan did a really good job of recapping that. I mean, for me, this this 2015 Red Bulls team will always... I feel like I'll always be intricately tied in some way because a little bit of my backstory, I I didn't think that I would be, you know, doing this beat reporting thing this season. <laughs> I I was, you know, Dave Martinez, Empire Soccer. I was meant to be covering... <laughs> exactly, that guy. I was just meant to be covering the Cosmos, NYCFC, and some Red Bulls. I was just going to do it all. And this kind of just fell on my lap. And... uh I couldn't be more happy that it did because I, I got to see this team day in and day out at training and at games. And this was just a fun team to be around. It was a fun team to watch stylistically, aesthetically. It was a very enjoyable team. And to see how much success they had when, as Dan alluded to, the, the expectations couldn't be any lower. I was bracing for the worst myself, especially after that town hall. I remember saying, man, I'm going to be in for a rough one of my first year on the beat. Uh, but to see how Jesse was able to bring this team together uh, navigate, you know, some some bumps in the road and, and and bring this team to Supporter Shield. It was really rewarding to see how quickly they they took to it. Uh, it was just a lot of fun, and like I said, I'll, I'll always remember this this 2015 Red Bulls team. It'll always resonate with me. Well, I will certainly say it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Uh, chip in and then frankly join the squad for seeing red because I think you've added a ton to what we've had and very, very, very pleased that, uh, that you're here. So many things. Welcome. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for, I mean, what a phenomenal season. And, and Dan, as you said, you, you kind of went through the highlight film, right? 
mean, the three wins against NYC were phenomenal. The wins against DC were great. Um, so many goals. Just attractive play. Just beautiful, free-flowing, relaxed play out of the back, working the ball out, lots of little triangles. Bradley, again, 17 goals. We didn't really talk about Bradley really at all uh, too much this show, this show. The emergence of Mike Grella, the absolute wonderful surprise that was Mike Grella. The season was phenomenal. Uh, Luis Robles setting just about every club goalkeeping record over the course of the season and being not only a wonderful interview on Seeing Red, but really a phenomenal guy, goalkeeper of the year. Um, watching Jesse's enthusiasm for the club with his uh, the clear plan in place. Uh, Sasha Kleshton coming in with his savvy experience and everything he added to the club. Watching the growth of Matt Miazga, who at the beginning of the season, I think all agreed he was not quite ready for prime time, and then watching him blossom to be one of the best center backs in the league. Um, so many wonderful things uh, that we'll take away. And, and yes, at the end of the day, that ball knocking itself off the post will sadly be an indelible moment that will be attached to this season when the club um, did so, so much and accomplished so, so much, finally winning in Toyota Park um, with the Shield and the fans right there on a, on a very, very chilly October Sunday night on Decision Day to make that happen. And any time you knock DC out of the playoffs, as a, as a Red Bulls fan, it's got to feel phenomenal. So you know, with that, we're going to wrap up uh, 2015 for Seeing Red, the Supporter Shield champions, Eastern Conference champions, CCL spot, so many wonderful high points. I will tell you that there will be a seventh season of Seeing Red in 2016. We will be back in uh, an interesting iteration, and we will have news to share as we uh, move on, hopefully news to share at the holiday party on December 9th, we could not do this show without the support of Joe Stetson and Mark de Grandpre and especially Jason Baum and his team, uh, the, the MLS, uh, the Red Bulls digital team, uh, Scott Sandler and Molly Brady have been phenomenal to seeing Red this year, and we have gotten closer to the team than we've ever been before. We hope you've enjoyed, uh, enjoyed our live video pregame shows during the playoffs. We hope to do some more of those next year with the club. And um, most of all, we'd just like to thank you for tuning in every week. It's your support of the show that has uh, brought us closer to the club that we care about so much. And so we appreciate it. We, we hope that we will meet you on the 9th. And uh, for Dan Dickinson and Dave Martinez and Eric Giacometti, we'd like to thank you so much for listening to Seeing Red in 2015. And we will be back before you know it because this is the shortest offseason in professional sports. You'll hear from us soon. Good night, everyone. Have a great, safe holiday season. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.